0: Today I've got some goodies for you because I'm gonna be sharing my 10 point checklist to managing clutter in your space. And this isn't just like a checklist of go through the laundry, go through the dishes, you know, like checklist of decluttering. This is actually probably my 10 most pointed, best pieces of advice for managing clutter and even maintaining a clutter-free space inside of your home. So if you're, you know, going through all of the different drawers and nooks and crannies and it's starting to feel a little bit overwhelming, it can really help to have a simple pointed plan in place. And again, these are my best pieces of advice. So if you have a pen and paper, it probably would do you good to get that out so that you can actually write down where you are with each one of these 10 points that we're going to be going over today. For those of you who are new here, my name is Mia Danielle and I help you to create holistic clutter-free spaces. So if that's something that you're working toward, be it in 2021 or any point in the future, then please feel free to go ahead and subscribe and turn on notifications so that you'll get notified whenever I release a new video every Tuesday. Now, I know whenever you get into the middle of your personal belongings, it can feel sometimes like just a mind-boggling dilemma trying to figure out what to do with the perfectly good picture frame or all of the vacuum attachments that you're storing in your closet that you never actually use. But trust me when I say that there are many people throughout the world who are able to live happy, realistic, clutter-free lives, and if anybody can do it, then you can too. So without further ado, let's run through this 10-point checklist for managing clutter inside of your home. Again, if you have a pen and paper, be sure to write down and actually think through where you are in each of these 10 points. Checkpoint number one is to be purpose-driven. It can really help when you start going through all of your belongings if you have a purpose or an intention for each space. It'll help you to determine what's necessary and what isn't, because getting in the middle of all of your clutter and looking at each belonging one at a time, it can become overwhelming and sometimes confusing determining what even is clutter and what isn't. But if you're able to zoom out and take an overall view of what your functions, what your purposes are, how you're going to be best supported in that space, what is that space's purpose overall, it'll help you to determine what things can fall away more easily and aren't needed inside of that space. If you've been here long, then you know that my mantra is to not just declutter, but create a space that supports you every single day. So in order to accomplish this and create a space that acts like free labor, you really have to know exactly and specifically what you're wanting out of that space and what its purpose even is. Not being super clear about your priorities and your purposes is often what causes the clutter in the first place, because clutter equals lack of clarity. Checkpoint number two is to know your plan. Know what your expectations are. Decide beforehand what exactly you're wanting to accomplish and how much time you intend for it to take. Because you know how it goes when you intend to declutter a certain area and you end up following this rabbit hole and before you know it, you're sitting in the middle of a pile of clutter wondering how the hell you got there. Every time I think about this scenario, it reminds me of this hike that I took with Matt, okay? So one week prior, we had been walking around our local park, studying this hiking map, trying to find a new cool loop or route that we could take. And this jogger came up to us and was just really excitedly telling us about this Loop that looped around to a coffee shop and then back to where we were, which sounded really intriguing. So we didn't go home and research it. We didn't remember exactly the turns that he told us to take. But a week later, we decided, okay, you know what? We're just going to wing it. We're going to go on this hike and had no clue what we were getting ourselves into. It was in the middle of the heat warning, and Matt and I are neither of us are really avid hikers. So one hour into this hike to the coffee shop, I was seriously considering calling an uber to get us out of the situation because we still hadn't seen the coffee shop we didn't even know if we were on the right road now long story short we did actually make it to our destination and we did actually make it all the way back home but had i researched it beforehand and planned this thing out i would have realized that that coffee shop was actually an hour one way and an hour back we were thinking that we were just taking you know a couple of blocks around the neighborhood walking and back so Having that plan and setting your expectations accurately will keep you from having to dig yourself out of a situation that you didn't intend to be in in the first place. Number three is to schedule time for managing your clutter. It's like Marie Forleo says, if it isn't scheduled, it isn't real. So if you're thinking, well, in the future or in a couple of weeks or maybe next weekend, if you're time-framing your decluttering projects like that, then it's likely never going to happen. It's just this fictitious idea until it's actually written down on some kind of a calendar or schedule. If something is on the schedule, then you know you need to prepare a few things. You're not getting yourself and working yourself into the situation where all of a sudden you don't have enough boxes or bags to complete the project and you're forced to kind of shrug your way out of it and say, I'll do it some other time. Also on the schedule means that you are able to mentally and physically prepare yourself. I feel like there's no situation that I can't handle and make myself think positively about if I don't know that it, if I know that it's coming. So like if I know that some big change is coming to me, I can kind of spin my wheels and and talk myself into feeling positively about that change because it's inevitable, it's going to happen anyway. It's kind of like if a family member is gonna come stay with you, right? The difference between them just showing up randomly on your front door with bags and you having to process all of those emotions and turmoil and deciding what you're gonna do at the last minute versus knowing for a month that they're coming, being able to psych yourself up about it, think of all the positive things like free babysitting that you might be able to get out of it. Just being able to plan can get you in the right state of mind to complete the project in the first place. Number four is to work in modes. This is something that I teach, and you can find out more about it inside of my free masterclass where I share my holistic clutter-free formula. But the reason behind it is there is so much research that shows that we exponentially lose larger and larger amounts of time with each task or project we add on. So when you're doing things like decluttering the kitchen, and you trip over a pair of your kid's shoes. So you grab the shoes and you take them up to your kid's room, and when you walk in their room, you step on a wet towel. So you pick up the towel, take it to the bathroom to hang it up, and then see a whole other disaster there. This type of of jumping around from task to task makes you end up three hours later having worked in three different rooms and not actually completed a single one of them. It's inefficient, it burns your energy, it still exhausts you but without the results. So the best way to combat this dilemma is to intentionally work in modes. That means choosing a single task or a single category, burning that task or category down until you're completed with it, and then choosing another one. This allows you to get into that hyper-focus mode and to really focus your physical and mental energy on completing one thing, which increases your efficiency and gets you in the state of flow, which makes you accomplish so much more so much easier. This could be something like tending to all of the laundry or linens in the house and then switching over to decluttering all of the expired products in your kitchen, in your medicine cabinet, in your cleaning products. Just focusing on one similar task or category and completing it throughout your house without jumping around from room to room and task to task. Checkpoint number five is to use spatial constraints. This is what I like to call spatial limitations with really firm boundaries and borders. So for example, a toy box that's made out of wood, that has a lid, that is a spatial constraint because it's very obvious when something is not inside of that box. So you should ideally be planning spatial constraints for every area in your home based on category or functionality. And you should plan these out before you even start managing the clutter inside of your spaces. That way, before you even dig in and start trying to rationalize why you should be keeping more than you intended to, you already know what the spatial plan is for all of the things. You know that you can't expand on the space that you've allotted for your books because you also have this other space that's been allotted for your office supplies. So you understand where all of the spatial constraints are divided out and you know where your limitations are. And that really helps you not only with the organizing, but with the actual decluttering itself. This also really helps with accountability for everybody inside your home. It's like your college roommate who keeps popping by unannounced for dinner. You know, you can't blame him if you didn't already set up those boundaries. Well, it's the same thing for your kids and everyone else in the family. You can't blame them if there were no firm boundaries in the first place for everybody to adhere to. Number six is to apply what I like to call the floor roll. Is it furniture? Then why is it touching the floor? So go through every single room of your space and pay attention, be be very aware of everything that is touching the floor. This is actually a really eye-opening experience because you start to bring awareness to maybe boxes or piles of books or piles of paper that you might have shoved in different surfaces or in different corners on the floor. You'll start noticing laundry. You might even notice things like Floor lamps, when you start really paying attention to how many things are touching the floor in each room, you might notice that you have a few extra pieces of furniture or lamps that you don't really need to have in that space that maybe you aren't even using. Floor space is one of your home's most valuable attributes. I mean, when you purchase a home or when you rent a home, you're paying for the square footage of floor space. So is your money going to good value with the way that you're currently using that floor space? Checkpoint number seven is to develop solid routines. Routines and systems are a must if you want to save your work, right? It's like when you put in all of the effort to get the clutter out or to organize or, you know, to actually make those changes in your home to begin with, in order to not lose those changes after you've put in the effort, you have to have some solid routines and habits and systems in place to save that work. There's no sense in putting in hours of hard labor only to have everything crumble on top of you in a few months. Now, yes, new routines and habits are very hard to start often. For most of us, we've experienced that on some level that they can be really hard to to create something new because you're altering your behavior, you're altering your routines. Um, But once you do them enough, once you've repeated them enough times, they become automated. They do become habits. And when they become automated, you save yourself so much more time and energy. It's like exponential energy just continues going through the roof because from that point on, you have this automated system that's just working on repeat. Now, of course, each family and each person has their own set of routines because all of our lives look different, our activities look different, how you spend your time looks very different from how I spend my time. So there aren't necessarily one set of routines across the board, although I do have some very specific routines for clutter-free living that you can find out more about inside of that masterclass. But it's also important to know your weaknesses, know where you're gonna likely be tripped up, where you need to really focus on building new routines and getting those automated because those are the ones that are gonna be the most effective for you and efficient for you in the long run. Number eight is to have a system. Now a system is different from a routine. A routine is something that you can train yourself to do on automation, you know, something that you're gonna just repeatedly do until it becomes an automated habit a system is a way or method of doing something. This could be like the rules of the house, you know? So for example, a system could be rotating the dishes, like one person does the dishes one day and another person does them the next day. That's having a system in place operate by. A system is an agreement or method of tending to things around your home. So you might have a system of rotating the dishwasher to where one person washes dishes one day and another person washes them the next day. Or you might have a system that everyone is expected, this expectation in place, everyone is expected to rinse off their own dish and put it in the dishwasher. So systems just help everything to run smoothly and they help to keep everybody on the same page. Number nine is to practice and maintain consistency. Consistency is key in everything that you do. Consistency is where you find ease and actually see results in managing your clutter or in anything else that you're consistent about in life. Now, Darren Hardy, the author of New York Times bestselling book, The Compound Effect, has a really great quote. In fact, he has a really great book on consistency, but I have this really great quote of his. It's kind of long, so I'm just gonna leave it in the blog post version of this episode, but I'll leave the link to that post down in the description so that you can go check out this really, really good quote that helps you to kind of reframe the way that you look at consistency. And number 10 is something that you've heard me talk about before. In fact, I mentioned it in last week's episode that was all about how to find enough in minimalism, how to know when you have enough stuff, and that is to stretch yourself. Because growth in anything, even if it's letting go and creating a clutter-free home space, any kind of growth is gonna require stretching. So the way that works is when you're letting go of things or when you're creating new routines to help you to keep down the clutter and to create the space that you want, Stretching just means go a little bit beyond the comfort zone. Make yourself a little bit uncomfortable and then sit with that a while. And, you know, once you get comfortable with that, stretch yourself a little bit more and then sit with that a while. That's how changes happen. They happen by stretching and relaxing, stretching and relaxing. So if you can really incorporate that into your decluttering process, you don't have to rip everything like a band-aid and go from cluttered to zero clutter-free minimalist all at once, but if you can approach it as a stretching exercise, if you will, um, you'll find that it's a lot easier and that your changes are a lot more sustainable. You know, if you're trying to get into shape, you don't just go out and run 20 miles or lift 200 pounds, you work up to that. You go slightly into your pain zone, you stick with that a while, and then you push yourself a little bit further. So that's it. So this 10-point checklist is really the 10 best pieces of advice that I could give you about maintaining a clutter-free home space and managing clutter inside of your home. I know that this isn't necessarily all easy, but I would say that it's a pretty good comprehensive 10 point checklist. And if you can manage to do the 10 things that are in this checklist, you're gonna have an amazing space that you really do feel supported in. And if you need a little more help getting there, then you do need to go watch my free video that's all about my holistic clutter-free formula, and I'll break things down a little bit easier so that you can understand how to let go of your stuff and how to create those supportive spaces inside of your home. I also think this is a perfect time to direct you to check out the first three steps in creating a clutter-free space, as well as how to find the balance of enough and minimalism, how to know when you have the right amount of stuff. Both of those go really well with this episode and it'll help you to dig a little bit deeper into where you might need to be, where you might need to work on or stretch or grow in order to get the results that you really want inside of your home space. Catch you next week.